0: Last week, we began to discuss the importance of demonstration and why the gospel does not need to just be talked about, but needs to be demonstrated also. And we started talking about the fact that the demonstration of the gospel gives people undeniable proof that the God you serve exists. So I want to piggyback off of that today and show you something else along those lines and show you that the demonstration of the gospel puts the knowledge of the God you serve on the inside of people. And when you decide to demonstrate the gospel and not just talk about it, you make a decision to put the power of God on display and show it off to people who otherwise don't believe. And I want to take you into the story of David and Goliath and show you that and jump through all the scriptures in the Old Testament and through Israel and jump over to the New Testament and show you this principle. So let's jump right on into it right now. And let's go to the book of 1 Samuel. So 1 Samuel 17, and let's start at verse 41. This is the story of David and Goliath. Watch what happens. The Bible says Goliath walked out towards David with his shield bearer ahead of him, sneering in contempt at this ruddy-faced boy. Am I a dog? He roared at David. That you come at me with a stick and curse David by all the names of his gods. Come over here and I'll give you the flesh to the birds and to the wild animals, Goliath yelled. Verse 45. David replied to the Philistine, You come at me with sword, spear, and javelin, but I come at you in the name of the Lord of heaven's armies, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. Today the Lord will conquer you, and I will kill you and cut off your head, and then I'll give the dead bodies of you and your men to the birds and wild animals, and the whole world will know, watch this, that there is a God in Israel. And everyone assembled here will know that the Lord rescues his people, but not with not with sword and spear. This is the Lord's battle and he will give it to us. Back up to verse 46 and watch that again. He said that he is going to kill Goliath and as a result, the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. And everyone assembled here will know that the Lord rescues his people, but not with sword and spear. This is the Lord's battle, and he will give it to us. Depending on your translation, it could also read that all the earth may know. And I want to focus on that part right now. That the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. This is what the demonstration of the gospel does. It shows the whole world and Puts it on display to an unbelieving world that we as believers don't just trust in a book of myths. We don't just trust in a vapor or some type of power and some type of entity in the sky somewhere where we don't know, but we trust in somebody who's actually real and somebody who actually holds power and authority. And many people in the world today, you always hear it talked about. In the world, I know it's all right. These Christians, they just believe in a bunch of fables and myths and a book that's like thousands of years old that ain't even accurate. But they don't know what we know. What's the difference between somebody who's saved and somebody who makes that assumption? They've never seen that power on display, they've never experienced that power for themselves. And a lot of people get to the point that they believe like this because they've never seen God at work. The Bible says in Judges 2, verse 10, that after Joshua died and after his generation went on that saw God work mightily, the Bible says there arose a generation that didn't know the Lord and it didn't just stop there. They didn't know the Lord or his mighty acts. And as a result of that, they turned over into false gods and idolatry and did evil in the sight of the Lord. When people don't see the power of God on display, when people don't know that there is a God that still exists and still is alive today, they turn over and do evil in His sight. And they turn to evil. But why or what if people... Would see the power of God on display and turn from that and turn back to God. And as a matter of fact, that's what happened in the book of Judges. Because if you read on in that chapter, the Bible says that God raised up judges and delivered them out of the hands of their enemy. And as a result of that, they would turn back to God. So you look in the world today and we get mad at people and get mad at unsafe people because they're making, you know, they're making all these assumptions about our God and they're coming against our God. But in the case of a lot of them, They haven't seen him at work yet. And we are supposed to be the people that put that power on display so that nobody can walk away and ignorantly say that there is no God. We put that power on display so that the unsaved man does not have an excuse to turn around and go home and say, you know what, there actually is no God and I don't believe in him. At that point, once they see the power of God, they now make a conscious decision to follow him or turn away from him. And the problem that has been around for a long time and is still been in the modern church today is the fact that we are okay with not seeing a demonstration of God's power. We, I won't even say we, I'll say they because this is not everybody. They have become okay with not seeing book of acts power move today and they've actually tried to explain it away and say you know it's not for today you know we don't actually need that we need to change our methods with the time and that was actually for the old testament or that was actually for you know the early church we don't need all that today and when you do that you have to understand when you do that you're partnering with the enemy why does the enemy hate demonstration why does the enemy come against that Why does the enemy come against the baptism of the Holy Spirit? Why does he come against divine healing? Why does he come against speaking in tongues? Why does he come against deliverance? Because he wants people to stay blind. He wants people to stay in this place of not believing in this God that we serve, not being drawn to him by signs and wonders like what happened in the Bible. He wants them to stay under his control. And people have got on board with the devil's plan. That's essentially what happens when you turn around and you say the baptism of the Holy Spirit is not for today. You're on board with the devil. That's what basically happens when you say, you know what, deliverance is not for today and we don't need that in our churches today. You're on board with the enemy. You've gotten on board with that. I heard somebody say one time that, you know... Well, actually, I'll get it. I'll get onto it. Somebody said, and this is a very popular saying, and it makes me mad, it grace out my nerves all the time. The best form of evangelism is without words. The best message we can preach is without words. Now, stop. This is true in a sense. Because I talked about before the fact that faith without works is dead, and that your deeds and your actions prove your faith. So that is true in a sense. You can't preach a gospel that you don't live out yourself. You can't get up and you say, "Oh yeah, praise God, Jesus saves, come to Jesus today," and you live like a helliot. It doesn't work like that. So that is true in a sense. But at the same time, in the book of Acts, there came a point where words were necessary. There came a point where you did have to add words because let's let's put it like this. If you were By way of your life, you went around and you obeyed the commands of God and you lived a godly life and you lived a holy life and you lived right. And unsaved people around you saw your life. When they got to the point that they said, oh, this person's living different. What's going on with them? You would have to start using your words and tell them. It doesn't just stop there. You know, oh, you know, we won't use words. No, there's going to come a point where you're going to have to tell them what happened. And people use that as an excuse to not operate in the power of God. They use it as an excuse to not demonstrate God's power. Do not fall into that trap. Don't fall into that trap. I'm telling you right now, do not let the enemy let you back away from seeing the power of God manifest in your churches and manifest in your life. Because let me tell you something. There's a generation out there that needs it. There's a generation that needs to see it. When the Lord called me into ministry and told me to go to Bible college, this is what he told me. He said, I'm calling you to demonstrate my power to a generation that needs it. Why do they need it? Because that's the way God intended for it to be. It was demonstration that would draw people into the kingdom of God. Look what happened in John 2.23, as I told you before. The Bible says that when people saw the miracles that Jesus did, they began to follow him. In the life of Jesus, actually in the ministry of Jesus, the Pharisees ended up trying to plot and put together a plan to kill Lazarus after Jesus brought him back from the dead. Because the Bible says that his account, this is Matthew 12, the Bible says that his account, people were beginning to follow Jesus. They knew this man was dead. They knew he was dead for four days. He wasn't coming out of the grave. And this man, he gets risen, and he's living all over again, and this is not a hearsay, this is not hearsay, somebody's not going around saying, oh my gosh, I saw Lazarus, and he came back from the dead, no, Lazarus himself is going around telling people, I was dead, but this man named Jesus came and took me out of that place, and now I'm alive again, nobody can do that in their human power, and the Pharisees, who were basically just devils in disguise, the Pharisees then came through and said, nope, we're shutting this down. And they thought they were shutting it down in the name of the law, but they was on board with the devil. The devil didn't want Lazarus to go around and tell his testimony to people because it was drawing people to Christ. In the book of Acts chapter three, as I read to you before, when Peter and John went to the temple at the hour of prayer, what happened when the man at the gate got healed? People saw him and they saw him with Peter and John and they began to come to Christ. They were drawn. Peter preached the message to them. And the Bible says 3,000, 2,000 extra got saved. Sorry. And the whole count of the church became 5,000 at that point. That's what happened through one miracle. And now you understand why the devil is trying to shut that flow of the spirit out, out of the church. And people have become okay with that. They become to the point where, you know what? It's okay. We don't need all of that. It's all right. Don't get to that point. And while I'm on this, I saw a tweet the other day by a pastor and it grated out my nerves again. He tweeted, he said, he said, by vocational pastoring is the future. That's what he said. He actually tweeted out and he said, by vocational pastoring is the future. What is bivocational pastoring? People who don't just pastor full-time, but they have a job on the side. Now on the surface, I know many people that do that and that's all right. But when I began to look at the tweets and the replies and his responses to people, a lot of people were agreeing with him and he was saying, his reasoning was it doesn't work in today's society. It doesn't work with where we're going as a society. We should just stay by vocational on these mega churches. They're not even being packed out anyways. So we should just stay there and just be by vocational. Let me tell you something. That's a devil's lie. That is a straight up lie from the pits of hell. The enemy does not want full-time preachers. The enemy does not want mega churches. And many people are getting to this point where they're just like, "You know what? We actually smaller churches are good." Praise God for the small churches. But the early church wasn't no small church. The early church didn't get capped at 1,000. They didn't get capped at 500. And they say, you know, we, we're going to be effective this way. The devil is a liar. Many people sit there and they, have, and they subscribe to these teachings and they subscribe to these belief systems that are not biblical at all. They're not biblical. I don't care what nobody says. They are not biblical. Don't follow the blueprint of somebody who has a PhD and a doctorate and has all these degrees beside their name. I don't care about your degrees. If it doesn't line up with what the word of God says, I don't want to hear from you. If what you're saying does not line up with the word of God, I don't care what you have to say. I can give a rip what people have to say. So they come and they say bivocational pastoring is the future. No, it's not. The devil is a liar. What's actually happening in the future is God is raising up more people that are going into all the nations and demonstrating his power. God is raising up people that will win a great harvest of souls before he comes back. He's not coming back for no dead, defeated church. He's not coming back for that. He's not coming back for a small church that wasn't effective. Why? Can the Antichrist push his propaganda and push all his stuff into the systems and put it at the highest point of the lat? It's on every single news network. It's on social media. It's all around. You're bombarded with Antichrist system and Antichrist theology. But the church has to sit there and stay small. And we just got to sit here and just stay in our little box and everything is all right. No, the devil is a liar. The devil is a liar. We're not staying like that. I remember I had a conversation with somebody one time. And this was somebody who was a Christian and they said, and they're actually a preacher. They actually were in the ministry and they said, you know, actually, I don't really like mega churches. I don't really appreciate mega church. Mind you, he goes to a mega church. He attends a mega church. I don't really like mega churches because they're not in the book of Acts. This is what he said. This is a pastor said he's not in the book of Acts. I said, you know what? I said, obviously, I don't know my Bible. I'm going back to Bible college. The devil is a liar. Stop getting on board with what the devil is saying. Stop getting on board with these demonic theologies and these demonic doctrines. It is not of God. The word of God is the final authority on any matter. Everybody has their opinions. Everybody has their schools of thought. But the word of God is the final authority on a matter. I want to take you into another story. Let's look at the story of Naaman. Go to the book of 2 Kings, chapter 5. So 2 Kings 5, watch what happens in verse 9. And just for context, this is a story of Naaman who gets sent to the prophet Elisha because he has leprosy. And Elijah actually calls for him and tells the king, send him to me, I'll get him healed. Now, Naaman thinking he's going to go over there and lay his hand on his head and get the man healed and everything is okay. No, Elijah tells the man to go dip himself in the pool and he'll be healed. Naaman ain't like that. So Naaman gets upset and he was actually about to not carry out the task until he was convinced otherwise. So watch what happens in verse 9. And this is what happens when Naaman gets there. Verse 9, so Naaman went with his horses and chariots And waited at the door of Elisha's house. But Elisha sent a message out to him. Go and wash yourself seven times in the Jordan River. Then your skin will be restored and you'll be healed of your leprosy. But Naaman became angry and stalked away. I thought he would certainly come out to meet me, he said. I expected him to wave his hand over the leprosy and call on the name of the Lord his God and heal me. Aren't the rivers of Damascus, the Abana, and the far far apart better than any of the rivers of Israel? Why shouldn't I wash in them and be healed? So Naaman turned and went away in a rage. But his officers, verse 13, tried to reason with him and said, Sir, if the prophet had told you to do something very difficult, wouldn't you have done it? So you should certainly obey him when he says simply, go and wash and be cured. So Naaman went down to the Jordan river and dipped himself seven times as the man of God had instructed him and his skin became as healthy as the skin of a young child. And he was healed. Then Naaman verse 15 and his entire party went back to find the man of God. They stood before him and Naaman said, now I know, watch this. Now I know that there is no God in all the world except in Israel. So please accept a gift from your servant. There it is again. This man came and he was doubting. And when he got a simple instruction, he thought it was going to be this whole big hoopla and this whole big seance. And it wasn't. He just got told to dip himself in the Jordan river seven times. And he was, he was upset about that. But once he got healed, what happened? Naaman, who was doubting and didn't fully believe and he was shaky. He came back and he said, All right, now I know that the God you talk about and the God Elisha serves is the one true God and ain't nobody else like it. What, what made him come to that conclusion? Did he see something in the sky? Did he see a happening in the heaven? No, you know what happened? He got healed. The power of God was put on display in his life. And as a result... He turned around and he said, all right, this is the one true God. And he tried to give a gift to Elisha. That's what happened. When the power of God goes on display, when somebody, let me tell you something. When somebody who is bound by the enemy and cannot get free, cannot get free for their life. They've tried natural ways to get free. They've tried many ways to get free and they can't. And you come with the power of God and break them out of their captivity. What message does that send to them? It sends a very big message to them that this God is not just a theory. It's not just something that people just talk about just because, but this God is real. I can tell you a story about when I first started out in ministry and when I was preaching, I remember I was preaching this service one night. And this girl had been attending the meetings for a couple weeks and she was very shaky in her faith. She grew up in church, but she was extremely shaky and she was basically on the point of moving over into agnosticism. She was at that point. And one night she walked into the meeting and the power of God hit her. She got smacked by the power of God. And you know what she said to me after that service? She said, you know what? I was very shaky and I was backsliding. She got saved that night. She said I was backsliding, but you know what? As a result of that tonight, and I felt God for myself, as a result of that, I'm getting myself together with the Lord and I'm getting on track and I'm coming back to church again and I'm reading my Bible and I'm doing all that stuff. What was that? It was the demonstration of God's power. The power of God was put on display for this girl. And as a result, she turned her heart back to God. One more story we see this principle in. In the book of Daniel, Daniel chapter 3, watch what happens. This is a story of the three Hebrew boys. Verse 19, so Nebuchadnezzar, the king, sets up a statue, and he forces everybody to bow down to the statue and worship him when they hear the music. Here come these three rebels, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, turn around and they say they're not doing it. Now watch what happens in Verse 19. Then Nebuchadnezzar was filled with fury, and the expression of his face was changed against Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He ordered the furnace to be heated seven times more than it usually was, and he ordered some of the mighty men of his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and cast them into the burning fiery furnace. Then these men were bound in their cloaks, their tunics, their hats, and other garments, and they were thrown into the burning fiery furnace. Because the king's order was urgent and the furnace was overheated, the flame of the fire killed those men who took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And these three men fell bound into the fiery furnace. Then the king was astonished and rose up in haste. He declared to his counselors, watch this. Did we not cast three men bound into the fire? They answered and they said to the king, true O king, He answered and he said, but I see four men unbound walking in the midst of the fire and they're not hurt. And the appearance of the fourth is like a son of the gods. Then Nebuchadnezzar came near the door of the burning fiery furnace and he declared Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the most high God, come out and come here. Pause right there. Before, watch this man. He set up the statue. And he told everybody here, come here and bow down and worship me. When you hear that music playing, when you hear those instruments playing, everybody better get to their knees. If you don't, you're getting burnt to a crisp. That's what he said. But once he saw the fact that these boys were thrown into the furnace and didn't die, were these boys fireproof? No, they weren't. Because the men who threw them in there, The people who threw them in there got burned and died by the fire. So they weren't naturally fireproof. But when Nebuchadnezzar saw the power of God at work, when he saw the demonstration of the power of God, he turned around and he came back and he said, Hey, servants of the most high God. You see how fast he switched? He didn't believe it. He didn't believe in no most high God before that. But once he saw the power of God, he said, servants of the most high God. Verse 27. And they came out the fire. And the, and the satraps, the perfects, and the governors, and all the king's counselors came together, and they saw that the fire had not had any power over the bodies of those men. The hair on their heads were not singed, their cloaks were not harmed, and no smell of fire had come upon them. Nebuchadnezzar answered and said, watch this, verse 28, blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who has sent his angel and delivered his servants who trusted in him and set aside the king's command and yielded up their bodies, rather than serve and worship any god except their own. Therefore I make a decree. Any people, nation, or language that speaks anything against the god of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego will be torn limb from limb and their houses laid in ruins. For there is no other god who is able to rescue in this way. Then the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the province of Babylon. Watch what happened. As a result of this, he turned and acknowledged the fact that the God that these boys served was the one true God. On top of that, he made a decree that stopped anybody from talking any ill against this God. Then he promoted the three boys. As a result... Of this one mighty demonstration of God's power. Look what happened. This is what happens. When you get to the point. Where you don't listen to what modern people say. What modern Christianity says. What somebody with a PhD says. But you listen to the word of God. People cry about oh you know. You know we're not getting people saved. And our churches are not growing. As I said earlier. The man that talked about. By vocational pastoring. He said, you know, mega churches are not being filled anymore. Why aren't they being filled? Why are they being filled? There's no demonstration. You're not following the blueprint that God placed in the book of Acts. What did they do to grow their church? They preached, they taught, and they demonstrated. That's what they did. And the church grew. So the reason why your church is not growing is not because the gospel doesn't work anymore. And this is what people say, you know, we got to change our methods and, you know, we got to change our ways, you know, we got to reach the young people. As somebody who ministered to young people for a year, a year straight, there's nothing you got to change. You don't got to make yourself more hip. You don't got to make yourself, you know, oh, I use bro and try get down to the level. Come with the power of God. Thank you, God. Come with the power of God and they will go crazy for it and they'll want more. They'll want more. I didn't have to be hip. I didn't have to try to be somebody I wasn't. People want to see the power of God in action. The reason why they don't seem like they want it is because we're not giving it to them. And they've been sold a lie that it doesn't move like that anymore. It doesn't happen like that anymore. But I come to tell you today, that's a lie. That is a straight up lie from the pit of hell. You're not going to be somebody that gives into the lies of the enemy. You're not going to become a person who gets on board with the enemy's plans to stop the power of God from being demonstrated in the earth. You're not going to be that person, but you're going to get on board with the plan of God and you're going to follow in the footsteps of your forefathers. And you're going to demonstrate the power of God to your generation. Amen. You say that to yourself right now, wherever you are, say I'm a demonstrator of God's power. Get it into your spirit today. You're not somebody just that's just supposed to just sit here and trek through life and you know and me be saved and everything is okay. No, you're going to be somebody. Thank God you got saved. but now you're going to take the power of this gospel to your generation and set many people free. Many people free by the power of God. You're a demonstrator in Jesus' name. You're not somebody who just talks about it and, oh, thank God for the days of old and thank God for what he did. No, 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 no. He may have did it back then, but he's still doing it today. He's still moving today. He's still working today. And he's going to work through you in Jesus name. That's what I say to you today. God's going to use you in this last hour of time. He needs you and he wants to use you. Now you make the decision today to get on board with that. And as you do, you will see the power of God move through you in a mighty way and many people will be impacted in Jesus' name. If you believe that, you say amen where you are and shout, I'm a demonstrator of God's power in Jesus' name. I thank you so much for tuning into this week's podcast. I really hope it blessed you and I hope it helps you go forward in your spiritual life and edifies you and builds you up and helps you to become the full person that God wants you to be. If you're blessed by this week's podcast and you feel led to sow a seed, I want to give you that opportunity right now to do it. You can head over to the website marlinbenjamin.net and go over to the Give Now page and sow as God directs you to give. Not under pressure, but however the Lord leads you to give. Because as I tell you all the time that the enemy wants to stop The kingdom of God from going forward and one of the ways he tries to do that is by stopping prosperity and he uses that to stop the gospel from going forward, but you won't be that person who does that today. And as I tell you all the time, when you give to the kingdom of God, God will not take that lightly. God will always bless you for that. So I want you to pray for me consider today and ask the Lord what he would have you to give to this ministry. And when he leads you, go over to that website and go ahead and sow that seed. And I thank you so much for doing that today. And I pray the blessing of God. I didn't have to pray. When you take that act in faith, it will happen for you. And I believe it's going to happen for you quickly in the name of Jesus. We also have opportunities to partner with this ministry. That's a new opportunity that just came to this ministry a couple weeks ago if you want to partner with this ministry you can head over to that give now page and click on the partner with us button and you'll be able to sow your seed regularly you don't have to come in oh i remember i have to come today and do it and you can set it for a monthly amount and partner and they will sow that seed automatically every month to support this ministry and support the gospel going forward and as you do that god will bless you for that And I thank you so much for it. And I bless you in the name of Jesus for that. God does not take that lightly. And I don't take it lightly. And I thank you so much for doing that once again. God bless you.